You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What is your favorite sci-fi cartoon? Today, guys, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite animated sci-fi series, Lower Decks. Uh, we're probably going to mention a few others, Rick and Morty, Star Wars, that kind of stuff as well. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the Priest of the Geeks. I'm one of your co-hosts today. I am Joshua Knoll. I am also a co-host of the Whole Church Podcast, as well as the producer of this show. Um, I'm often called the Josh with the wrong opinions. So today I'm joined by the other Josh, the Josh with the good opinions. Collectively, we are the Josh-I. Josh, what you been geeking out on lately? Lately? Ooh, I mean, a couple different things. One of which is I currently have plans for either this weekend or the next. We're working it out to go to my local Renaissance Fair. Nice. It is it, that time of year. It is. And I, I've never been to a Ren Fair, and I'm very excited for it. We should we should do a review of the Ren Fest on here sometime. That'd be interesting. We often pitch other episodes during our episodes. If you're new, this is normal. This is very normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, let's jump right into to the bulk of today's episode. When I say it's one of my favorites, I mean, this has become a highlight of my week. I wait till Saturday morning. I wake up before my wife, I grab my dog, I get him situated, I you know grab a cup of coffee or a monster, maybe I'll get a biscuit or something for breakfast, I sit down, and this has become my Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, you in fact have got back to Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, I, I needed the adult version, and it is just, it's in my life right now, and it is a huge highlight. I, I love the episodic nature of Lower Decks. But before I go too far, a lot of people are probably thinking, what is Lower Decks? You might not know. Uh, it is one of the many shows that's new and getting a lot of hate from the regular fan base. You know, we got She-Hulk's getting a lot of hate right now. Uh, Rings of Power's getting a lot of hate. House of Dragons. Um, what, what else is getting hate right now? There's a lot of new shows everybody's mad about. Oh, Rings of Power? Yeah, yeah, that, which is just an absolute excellent series. These people are dumb. But... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Everybody is entitled to their opinion, but in my experience, most of their opinions are, it's not like the books. Well, neither were the Lord of the Rings movies, and you shouldn't have expected that. It was never going to be that. It's just a good story on its own. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those series that's been getting hate. Uh, it's It's not a parody of Star Trek, but it often parodies things that happen a lot in other series, and it is past all the other Star Trek. So all the other Star Trek series are sort of before this one. So a lot of times they'll make jokes about stuff that happened in one of those other series, like something will happen that's uh, happened in one of the older series before. And they like, wait a minute, that makes no sense. <laughs> and I just point out why other, I'm trying not to give any spoilers. Typical things that happen in Star Trek doesn't make any sense. One example, there is a character who dies and is just seen again in another episode. I'm like, should we ask about it? No, we should never ask about it. That's not how we do things here in Starfleet. People die all the time. They come back. That's just how it is. And they just kind of joke about it. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's true. And they point out how it's always the guy with the yellow shirt. And it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> they, they do a lot of that. They make fun of people who only will do one model of a ship from one of the other series because the characters in the show are upcomers. So they really geek out on some of the Starfleet history. And they're like, oh, man, I love this ship. It's the only one I care about. And they're like, why? That's dumb. <laughs> and they just constantly make fun of stuff, like all of the time. And it's wonderful. And the concept of the show, which just builds to all of the comedy, is just the very concept. 
if you've watched Star Trek, you know that their thing is uh, first contact. So space is the new frontier. We're going to all these planets. We're making first contact with the people of these planets, introducing ourselves and creating galaxy peace, basically. That is what Star Trek is sort of about. This show is second contact. <laughs> they have a follow-up team, you know, see how the planet is doing, you know, see if everything's taken care of, whether or not there needs to be any other negotiations had. It actually makes a lot of sense practically that that would be a thing. You're not going to meet a people say, all right, we're teams now, and then never talk to them again. It's like, hey, cool, we're friends, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just adds for so much shenanigans. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean the first contact team did this? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and they're just, uh, and then there's like just silliness. Like the first contact team is like, we achieved peace, hooray. And then this team comes in and is like, wow, oh, how did they do it? Oh, yeah, Starfleet agreed to take all of our trash, so you guys need to do that. You know, just stupid stuff. And that just kind of ends up being their job. First contact makes the deal. Second contact has to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have a a very unique crew here because, again, these are the people who aren't the main people. These are, you know, the backups, more or less, the second contact team. And... The characters for these kind of shows are what make it because the very premise is this is not going to be the big storyline. The universe isn't going to be on the line and we're going to send in second string. You know, that's not going to happen. That's the premise of the show just doesn't allow for that. So what you end up having is you have this guy, Brad Boimler, who is new upcoming. His entire thing is he wants to be a captain one day and he is absolutely excellent, checks all the boxes, does everything exactly correct. You know, we all know someone like that. It's just a stereotype in TV shows and in real life. Uh, then you have Davana Tindy. We just call her Tindy. She is just too happy and also intel incredibly intelligent. And sometimes you just forget because she's so like, I don't want to say preppy, but I'm going to say preppy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Sam Rutherford. That's the the one character. He is their mechanic guy. He's sort of an android, sort of not. They always have to have a character that is an android. The joke in this one is that he's actually like the most relatable out of this group. <laughs> he just cares about everybody. They don't do bother doing the whole emotionless character. Eh, we're not going to do that. Um, then Beckett Mariner, she ends up being discovered that she's the captain's daughter. And this is just the main four people we follow. And she is very, who needs rules? Let's go do it. Very Captain Kirk-esque, but like young Captain Kirk and also an African woman. <laughs> and it's just very independent. I don't care about the rules. I'm going to do my own thing. But she's second string. So you don't really get away with that in the same way, especially when your mom is the captain. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that would not be easy. Yeah, no, that doesn't work out. And what's fun about the current season is Boimler. He has just recently discovered that one of their other crewmates who was just a nobody who wasn't very good at anything is been promoted. And he's on like one of the enterprise kind of ships, like one of the main ships. And he, he was not happy about that news. And Tindy basically told him, yeah, that happened specifically because he just said yes to everything. He just did stuff. And Boimler was like, well, I'm going to do that now, which was an entire episode of just complete buffoonery. And he ended up saying yes to being hunted. 
Because, <laughs> you know, one of the races that they had on board happened to be like, ah, we need to hunt every so often, every however many years. He's like, yes. <laughs> and proceeds to be hunted. <laughs> and uh, it, it looks like it's going to end terribly for him. There ends up being kind of a twist. I don't want to ruin that episode for anybody. But from there, he's decided that this season he is bold Boimler. So he keeps trying to be bold, but it's not in his personality at all. So that's fairly amusing. Also, we have Mariner. She's been stuck with the ship's first mate in a sense that he's basically been given command of don't let her be her rule breaking self. And because she's afraid of actually leaving Starfleet, because as much as she likes to break the rules, she likes being where the action is. So she's actively trying to be more into the rules. What's interesting is so far in the season, they haven't really had the two learn from each other. It just so happens that Mariner is trying to become more rule following and Boimler is trying to become bold Boimler. So you think that's where they're going then? That towards the end, they'll kind of learn from each yeah, other? Yeah, I think they're... Yeah, because in the latest episode, the contrast was just really clear. They had... um, Which, when this comes out, it will not be the latest episode. I don't know when this is going to release. We're in the middle of season three right now. And there is this episode where they're... Going down to whatever, they're basically at a at a job fair and they're having to run the come join Starfleet job fair stand. And they're both trying to stay there and be really, really good. And the person next to them keeps antagonizing them and everybody keeps being like, oh, who would want to do Starfleet? You guys do this. Who would want to do Starfleet? You guys job is dumb or you guys have to stay in the rules all the time. You guys have to. And Mariner is just trying really hard to stay good. And the whole time you're like, oh, she's going to break. And you're just waiting for the shenanigans of when she breaks. But instead, Boimler breaks and just starts tearing apart other people's stands and going absolutely insane. And Mariner actually does manage to stay still. So it's just one of those that contrast of both of their character progressions happening side by side like that. A was really funny because I have spent, you know, two and a half season getting to know these characters. So you're like, wow, that is way outside of their personality. But also it's just like, wow, that's absurd that either of them are doing these things because you know when you're getting that kind of antagonizing staying still is ridiculous just taking it all the time but also going to other people's tents and tearing it down is ridiculous (laughs) i don't feel like i should have had to say that but (laughs) yeah so that's where we're at in the current season i love it i'm getting tons of laughs i'm i love sitcoms so to me having get to know personalities and then seeing the situations with those personalities in conflict like that. That is the funniest type of humor for me. That is what I live for. It's my bread and butter. Fair enough. I, I grew up on a lot of old sitcoms too. And now they, it's just good. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just fun. Yeah. So that, that is lower decks. That is season three where we're at. Josh, what are some of your favorite sci-fi cartoons or, you know, animated sci-fi shows? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, by far and away, it is Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the animated series. It is so good. It is by far my favorite. Yeah, I I think because for me, a 10 is perfect. And we we talked about this. This was one of the very first episodes. We talked about episode three of Star Wars and The Clone Wars. And the question was, does Clone Wars make episode three better? My answer is technically yes, but episode three is still bad. DJ hates that answer because he loves Revenge of the Sith for some reason. (laughs) <laughs> I, but when, it, when we rated it, I think I gave it like a 9.8 or something where I was like that, that cartoon is, it is almost perfect. The only problem I have is some of the episodes, especially early on are a little too childish for me. 
And that's really true. I mean, I'm I've just started rewatching it, and in season one, I, every once in a while, it's like, ah, yes, this is this is back when this was a kids show, because it really it was yeah. like that. That's what it was sold as. Like it was a Cartoon Network show that was functionally just a kids show for the first couple seasons. But as as the show progressed, and it can only progress in one direction because of <laughs> how that timeline's going, um, yeah. they're like, well, we they they basically would have been forced to either abandon you know the one way they could go or the show has to get more mature over time and it did and i think because of because of the season structure they probably matured with a lot of its audience at least when it was coming out yeah i think it was like a combination of the audience is growing older as the show is getting older and also i think the producers and stuff realize that a lot of older people are watching this show oh yeah and when we say that though like it, it never got explicit or anything in clone wars no. It just got like the themes were more mature. You dealt with death a lot more often in the later seasons. I mean, d- death and just like things that impact in huge communities of people. Yeah. I.e. the Republic. Whereas Lower Decks, from the get go, they were like, this is comedy and this is for adults who enjoy Star Trek. And they, they usually they bleep out most curse words, but like it's there. So it'll just be like, oh, what the beep? You know, yeah. and I'm like, I. That effect has always been slightly humorous to me. It's yeah, been I overdone, it's but kind of beep comedy, I think, is the best way to call it. Because like, yeah. like, because there, there's a lot of um, in a lot of like comedic things, like swearing can be part of the the comedy of it. But I think it just is is just that much funnier when instead of, instead of the swear is just beep, <laughs> just aggressive beeping noise. Yeah. My wife, her big geek out thing is this band Greta Van Fleet, and they have some YouTube videos that they did. And the one um, Danny, I don't remember what his YouTube name was, but like he's going to be a golfer in this one. And he's teach. It's the um, what are those called? OK, anyway, teaching everybody, you know, oh, you should be a golfer kind of whatever thing. And throughout it, whenever he gets mad, it bleeps him out. He's like, bleep, bleep, bleep. So then at the very end, he actually does drop the F-bomb, <laughs> which is the humor of it. And that and in that particular case, I was like, OK, that, that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> like, OK. You got me. So I, I don't know. I would recommend that if I would remember what the video was. But I, I personally, I don't have a problem with cussing. I have a problem with cursing. And I think a lot of Christians don't really know the difference of that sometimes. I go into it. And personally, I don't care if you curse. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the Bible does say something about you shouldn't curse others. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Here's what I think the Bible's talking about. I think the Bible does not want me to say, I hope that you, Josh, goes to hell. Mm-hmm. I didn't say a cuss word there, but that would be cursing you, and I think the Bible is against that. Gotcha. You know, I think someone saying, what the insert word here is cussing, they didn't curse anyone. I don't think God cares about that, personally. It's just a word. You're definitely right about uh, at, at cursing. And I'd be like, yeah, I generally, I don't have a problem with people cussing. I, I just don't because of more of the, like, the general mandate on wholesome talk. Uh, which I would have to find the actual reference to that, but I do not care. Like oh, half of my, most of my friends cuss a fair bit. I was like, oh, cool. I don't care. Do what you want. Yeah. My, my standard is the Bible talks a lot about not being offensive to your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And to me, it is, I typically, I know who I'm talking to. If I'm on a podcast, I don't know who I'm talking to. So I just be as least offensive as possible. <laughs> and you know, that is just how I handle the situation. 
Um, also, as far as the let your yes be yes and no be no, this is going to be my last little tidbit on this. That has nothing to do with cussing or cursing. That has everything to do with when you say yes, mean it. Yeah. If you do say you, follow your word, do what you said you would do. Yeah. If you say heck yeah, God doesn't have a problem with that unless you, you don't mean it. <laughs> do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Be a man of your word. That is what that's about. But I digress. I just think that's an important side note. Um, let's see. So you mentioned Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier about Rick and Morty, and that, that's another one that has a lot of language, and it does not bleep it at all. Other end of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. As as far as, you, you know, Clone Wars started out as a kid show, but then slowly, you know, moved towards the more mature end. And then we just have Rick and Morty, which is just, all right, full bore. This is, a, <laughs> this is an adults-only show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like Lower Decks is somewhere in between those two. <laughs> So um, we've actually we talked about before one that stayed a kid show the entire time. Um, TJ and I did a review of the old Buzz Lightyear of Star Command television series. I'm going to try and put that in the show notes. But that, that was also for me, that was my gateway to all sci fi. It was fantastic, which is also sort of how Lower Decks is functioning for me. So when I was growing up, I watched a lot of the original Star Trek movies and then I could never get like I tried to start next gen so many times and I just can't get past like the first two seasons or so. And I, and it's not that I dislike it. It's that I literally forget that I'm watching it so long that I have to start over and then it just happens. Uh, again. I get in cycles like that with, with long anime series, but that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for me, the Star Trek, I, I have watched the entire original series and the original motion picture. And then I think like two of the new, the new, the new movies that are like, okay, those are fine. But the, the original, original Star Trek movies so good. are where it's at. You got to watch those outside of the first one. I did not care for the original motion picture. Oh, I did. But then again, <laughs> I watched it like last year. Yeah, I I think what it is, is that I watched them out of order. So I knew what was coming and I was like, oh, this is so slow because I knew next is Wrath of Khan. And yeah. then, we have, <laughs> then we have like, uh, man, I don't even remember the other ones. Uh, I just am like, I know them by theme. So it's like Wrath of Khan. And then the rest of them, I'm like. Spock coming back to life, uh, then the whale one, uh, then Whales. <laughs> one where there's some kind of other god or something. <laughs> you know, I just generally know them by what happens, and I just forgot the names. Also, um, can we talk for a second about how just universal the idea of space whales are? <laughs> they, they show up in like every sci-fi medium. I don't know if it's because of that original Star Trek with space whales, and that everyone did just like an homage to that, but like it's everywhere. I'm trying to think. I feel like I have seen that way more often than it makes sense to have seen. Yeah. But, well, it's it, it, actually, it calls back Treasure Planet, where I feel like a lot of times we think of space as just, you know, ocean, but up there. <laughs> yep. Oh, so, so I, I mentioned this in our last recording. No idea when that's airing. So this might be before I <laughs> might hear me say this before I said that. But. Uh, I in my recommendation in that episode was um, the Spelljammer D and D setting that they had recently uh, released the fifth edition version of, which is all about uh, magic version of space, and you, and they have literal ships that they sail around space because magic space. Don't question yeah. it; makes sense. Uh, and they actually have a lot of them patterned after just aquatic animals, and then there are just actual space animals that float around. And space whales, because of course. <laughs> I was trying to see. For some reason, I thought there was a spell jammer version of Munchkin or something like that, but I don't see it. So maybe there's not. 
I mean, I wouldn't there's, be surprised if there was. But. There's so many times a bunch. We've talked. That was the last episode me and you did. You and I did together was Munchkin, and I was like, yeah. I feel like I feel like I've seen that. It's something jammer. Something. I don't know. I'll figure it out one day. I'll remember as soon as this recording's over. Yeah. But yeah some, so I started. <laughs> I started with the, uh, the original Star Trek movies. And that was my jam. And I had a hard time getting into other Star Trek. But well, earlier this year, my friend has Paramount Plus. I was on there. I saw a cartoon. I was like, yeah, this is something I could just have on in the background. Played Lower Decks. I have fallen in love with this show hard, man. Like, I think I might like this just as much, maybe even more than Clone Wars. Which is saying a lot because I gave that like a rating of 9.8 or something. Yeah, I love this series. And the thing is, I know Star Trek well enough and some of the stuff that happens with the series that I get the jokes. But sometimes I'll get the joke and be like, that's kind of funny. And I'm like, but you know, I've never actually seen that. So I'm going back and watching these random episodes and movies that they reference. And that's sort of been my gateway to the rest of Star Trek. Yeah. Which I did mention that on an episode before as well when Siri was on. So guys, check that out. But yeah, so that's, I don't know. It's interesting how these animated series can kind of be people's gateways into things. And I'm thinking of, you you talk about Clone Wars. I feel like a lot of people grew up with that series or were introduced to certain characters that way, and now they're huge Star Wars fans because of that series. Oh, that is, that is just me, 100%. Like, I, I'm i sure I'd seen some Star Wars-related stuff before, just given some of my family members. But, I, you know, it's like, okay, cool, older-looking older, older looking movie, what we do. But then just just the majesty of the Clone Wars series and all the, all the different characters, them being relatable. Yeah, absolutely. And what's... What's interesting about Star Wars is it exists very differently than Star Trek. It exists in a world or in a galaxy where most of the worlds are aware of each other or already interacting with each other. And instead of the Jedi going to different planets and meeting people, they're kind of part of this political system. And when peace needs to happen, they go out and you know they ensure peace, which somehow always involves chopping people up. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> yeah, there's there's. In a lot of you know star going st- sci fi, there is just two very distinct categories. There's the new age of exploration, which is Star Trek is just the poster child for that. Yeah. Versus the all these different people who all know about each other and don't get along, and that's Star <laughs> Wars. Yeah, but in, in a way, uh, you see this idea of like not necessarily the psychic stream, but the follow up people. You kind of see that a lot in both. I mean, I'm thinking of even in the Star Wars movies, there was, hey, Anakin, you're still a Padawan. So me and you are just going to go make sure the queen's safe this week. You know, <laughs> you know, or like, hey, we're just going to check up on things here. See how things are going. You see a lot of that with the Jedi. And that's sort of the basic premise of this series is they're just going back, checking up on things, following up. It's not the exciting stuff. And one thing that I think is interesting when Star Wars does that we're just going to make sure the queen's safe. And then it turns out there's an assassin and that assassin's connected to the entire big picture and Anakin gets involved anyway. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I find it interesting that there is this concept in both though, that there has to be a follow-up. There can't just be the initial contact. There can't just be the big war. We have to care for the smaller things, which it reminds me of one of my favorite Bible verses or sections of Bible verses. It's in Zechariah four. And the people have been complaining about how Israel's run, how the new temple's smaller than the original temple, or I don't like this new TV show, that kind of stuff. And God sends a vision, and in interpreting the vision to the prophet, Zechariah, he says, 
Who dares forget the day of the small things? And that's where we see this kind of thought really, really stand out to me is not following up is dangerous. You know, not being there to make sure the queen is safe in episode two. Or that's, she wasn't the queen then, was she? Was she Was she just a senator then, Padme? Padme? Uh, I think she was... I think she was a queen, but it's been a while since I watched episode two. Yeah. But, you know, if they would listen to Eric's, like Anakin's hubris in that situation and just kind of been like, oh, yeah, that's not an important enough job for you guys. We'll just send some regular stormtroopers or not storm, clone, whatever. Clones didn't even exist at that point. Who who was it that they had? Like, it was just regular military. <laughs> who did he want to stay there? Just guards? <laughs> send some guards. That's fine. Other bad yeah. ones. But if they didn't value the smaller missions, the follow up missions, the safety missions, Star Wars would have played out way differently. And so would Star Trek. Any universe, our universe, it is the same way. And I feel like a lot of people just want to be the big picture guy. A lot of people want to be just the guy who goes and shares the gospel and sees hundreds of people saved. And that's my place in the church is I'm going to go tell everybody about Jesus and everyone's going to be saved. And that's not everyone's place. Paul even said, someone's going to go throw the seed out. Someone's going to tell them about the gospel. Someone else is going to come water it and grow with them. Someone's, it is an entire process. And it's, it's something that even Billy Graham criticized himself for, that he did a lot of preaching and telling the gospel, but didn't do a lot of discipleship and staying there with people and helping them grow. That follow-up part, the day of small things part, he kind of let go. And that's something that he regretted in his own ministry. And I, I wonder, I'm going to throw this to you, Josh, because I've been talking too much. Do you see in the church, do you see a lot of follow-up, a lot of emphasis on discipleship, or do you think we're lacking in that area? Do you think we're improving? Where do you see the church's pulse concerning those things? I mean, the church as a whole, I think, goes very much towards, I mean, as as we get more just to just pure evangelicalism, we do get to just, here's the thing, yay, move <laughs> on and tell someone else. Yeah. Which, yes, you do want to do that. But as, as we were saying before, if you if all you focus on is the forest, you'll never see trees, and you you do in fact need them to have a forest. <laughs> so if you just yeah. let them go, bad things will happen. And so if you if all you do is you find you find Christ and you show Christ to someone else, but you never actually deepen your own relationship with Him, you've missed something rather important. Yeah. And I think that is becoming commonplace. That's just the way a lot of churches function. It almost, it almost seems because a lot of churches will have, um, you know, they'll have services every week and every week they'll have, you know, some, something that's kind of, uh, kind, kind of discipley, discipleship, like, you know, it's a, something a little more focused and for already believers, but then they'll spend the majority of their service doing a rehashing of the gospel in an altar call. <laughs> Which it almost feel, it almost feels to me like you almost need two two services one for one for each purpose. <laughs> but when you do that, you've you've already brewing something else. It's like, so it's the, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm trying to add to this. I feel like I, I see that. I I almost see like there's two different types of churches, and this is where I'm going to yeah, go back to I'm our Star Wars right. Star Trek dichotomy. I feel yep. like you have the Star Wars churches that are. We're going to have our own polity. We're going to have voting sessions. We're going to have big events for people to come to us. And we're just assuming everybody already knows each other. Yeah. And Where? I think sometimes those churches, actually, they do small groups and they do they do a much better job at discipleship sometimes. 
Uh, I think that the heart of the church is moving more towards that direction than it was previously. I feel like the last decade or so, we've really kind of dropped the ball on that and we're starting to go back towards that. Then you have the Star Trek churches. And some of them are just, they are only about going out and telling people about God. Go out, tell them about Jesus. Go out, tell them about this. And that is a good thing, mind you. Um, I live in Charlotte and Elevation Church does a little bit of both, but I feel like it is largely that we're going to go tell everybody about God. Hey, love Jesus. Hey, love Jesus. Hey, love God. They have the small groups, but I, I, I haven't seen it emphasized as much in my area. I could just be wrong. But, we, you know, you see a lot of these ton of churches that are all about just going and telling the gospel. I feel like you need to have both in one congregation, though. <laughs> you need to have the, the Star Wars mentality of we're going to have our polity and we're going to have big events and stuff. But we're also going to have go out and people telling the gospel. And on both ends, we're going to have the follow up crew, the follow up crew who goes out after we spread the gospel and make sure that we are building relationships. We're not just telling people about Jesus and running away. We're actually doing the discipleship part of it all. You know, if you tell someone about Christ, that's well and good, but did you stop and give them a meal if they needed it? Did you inquire about their life and how Jesus would even fit into it? What would that even look like for them? And then on the other end, did you just have a big event and make everybody feel good? Or did you follow up afterwards to see what it meant to them, how it changed them, what they could do better. You have to have the follow-up crews on both ends. Now, the more I kind of uh, go to different churches, especially given that uh, you know I'm currently at college, a fair bit away from where I normally live, so you know my normal church is tenable, so I've tried, I've gone to different services. The more services I go to, the more I think I appreciate my, my, home, my home church for its... It, it kind of has a little bit of that double focus that, you know, a lot of the... A lot of the like actual sermon stuff would be more evangelical and is more due to, oh, here people can, people will just walk, might just walk in or, you know, people will bring their friends to learn about God. That's a lot of mm-hmm. the large groups. But they have this, what I'm, what I, you know, only starting to realize as I get older, this kind of more deep focus on small groups. And they, they, they do really like to push the small groups with people you get to know really well and get to walk in your relationship with Christ with them. That's where that's where you get a, a lot more of your actual church because, this, as we know, it's not church is the kingdom as much as it's any oh, yeah. sect or building. Oh, yeah, I, it's just so antithetical to what church is about to not have these kind of small groups and intimate groups like that. So, I do encourage every church to do that. Like, I I love that your church has that model. I feel as though the the home church, our, our friend Joe would love that I'm I'm bringing this up, does a great job. <laughs> with some of this because it's impossible not to have a follow-up crew or to be the follow-up crew if you're when you're living life together in the way that a lot of these churches do you know i can't not make sure padme's safe if we're all literally just doing life together i'm just gonna be there anyway (laughs) You you know what i mean or um you know i can't make i can't not make sure we followed up with the salvation message when the way it was delivered was through us reaching out as a group and bringing you in and being family together. I mean, the home church does a fantastic job of that. And I'm not saying the home church is the best way or the only way, but I do feel like there's a model there that we should look to that's really productive in this area. Um, Using my two examples, I just kind of want to point out what I think some of this looks like. When you go out and you're spreading the gospel, or, you know, we'll start with the Star Trek part and I'll go back to it. First contact, we promise all these things so that we'll have peace. Second contact comes in and goes, what did they promise? Why would they promise that? A lot of times in the church, what you'll see similar to that would be someone went out, preached the gospel, did all this stuff, and then you come in and you're trying to build relationships and you find out 
they believe the gospel because someone told them prosperity gospel and that God's going to give them everything they ever wanted. And you're like, why would they promise that? And you're having to rebuild. Like That's not what God's about. God's about a relationship and you're having to build from the beginning. And that's where that secondary nature is more important than the first contact, actually, because that first contact messed up. And if you would have stayed around and built relationships and understood the Bible himself, instead of just only been about winning numbers, that wouldn't have happened. On the other side, in the Star Wars model of the church, <laughs> you, you know, I'm going back to my being there for the queen be, or the senator, whatever, being there for Padme, protecting Padme, being an important thing, even though it's felt like that was just secondary. A lot of times in the church, I feel like people think that they're just secondary members. You know, the pastor's going up and doing the preaching, the worship team does that, and I'm just here. But you're not just there. You're there making the relationships with people. You're there hearing about people's lives. And I think it is one of the things that irks me the most, if I'm going to share a pet peeve, is people who go to church and condemn other people for not going to church because the Bible says that uh, you should not forsake the fellowship of believers. First of all, it has nothing to do with you being at a physical church. But secondly, if what you're doing is going to a church, coming in a little bit late so you don't have to talk to people, leaving a little bit early so you don't have to talk to people, you were forsaking the fellowship of believers right there. You did it. You went to church and still forsook the fellowship, you know? And and on you know the flip side, there could be people who are just out there and ministering to people and have people in their work that they're telling about the gospel who can't go to church on Sunday because they work on Sunday. But they're telling people and they're in a community with other people that they're telling about God. And there is no way you can look at that picture and say that they're forsaking the fellowship. They're clearly not. So if you had to give just the most practical thing that you think an ordinary churchgoer could do to be a better follow up, you know, to be the better second contact with people, what is something people could do? You have to actually you can, so you can't just approach them with, with your explicit goal to be just to check off up on them on a, on a faith level. Just imagine someone coming up with a checklist. All right, so just checking in on you today. Uh, when was the last time you prayed? <laughs> exactly. Like that's, that's you know, the, the hyperbole version. But that's really, that really is kind of what happens in a way. Some people will just be like, will double check, like, oh, yeah, how's, how's it going with your faith? Cool, cool, bye. You need to actually foster actual relationships. You need to do real human contact, become a real friends. If you want to people, if you want people to take you seriously and, and take your kind of lived experience as regards you know Christ Christianity with any measure of seriousness, you have to actually have a meaningful relationship with the person, or they have no reason to be able to believe you. It's just like, oh, cool, you're another person who just wants mm-hmm. to shove religion down my throat. Cool, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. But if instead you actually have a relationship where or you show them, uh, you know, the love of Christ in through through how you act with each other. That's so much more valuable on on that kind of a level. Then they'll be like, okay, I, you know, I want to, I want to, I might want to be in this. I want to be a part of this. I want to see what this is all about. How does this, how did this person get to be like this? The amount of studies done that show whether it be because a cult or a gang or whatever, these terrible groups that we're trying to figure out why do people join and the amount of studies that have been done to prove that this happened because people want to feel like they belong to something, that should challenge the church. People shouldn't be turning to gangs and cults. It should be very clear that we want them to belong to us regardless of where they're at in life right now. I um, I, I can think of one really terrible way that the follow-up is done. And I want to see if you have a, this, I'm going to end on this. I want to see if you have a recommendation for how it could be done better than this. <laughs> 
Okay. This is the this is the worst way I've seen this done, and it happens all the time. The follow up is just, "Hey, I haven't seen you at church in a while," and it's like a text. And I feel like it it always comes off very judgmental. And I think some people genuinely mm-hmm. are like, "Oh, I miss you," but I th- do think a lot of people are just like, "Are you a sinner now? I want the gossip." <laughs> you, you know what I mean? But either way, when when your text just reads. I haven't seen you at church in a while. That just comes off really condescending it's and judgmental. And it's just, that is not how follow-up should be done. How should it be done? Well, I mean, going with what I was talking about earlier, just be like, just actually be like, hey, what's up? I haven't seen you in a while. I don't get lunch. Like, don't don't be your first step to try to drag them back into the doors of the church. <laughs> yeah. Ask if they want to get lunch. Ask if they want to hang out. You have to I get your like- relationship back to a level where you're close together before you can start trying to pull them into other relationships. Yeah. Because a lot of times the reason someone hasn't been at church is because someone said something that offended them or they got their feelings hurt by something or their life is actually just really bad right now. They don't want to be around other people like in a group setting like that, but you reaching out one-on-one might give an opportunity for someone to love them in a situation where they desperately need it. And yeah, I, I, I like the, I haven't seen you in a while instead of I haven't seen you in church in a while. Like, I feel like. Yeah, that, don't don't bring that part up. The concern is about <laughs> them, not the building of church and how well it's doing. Because <laughs> I mean, like, like, as we were discussing, it's the fellow, fellowship with other Christians, not the building. There is kind of a strange obsession with buildings. And, yeah, um, it, it that irks me a lot. It's something I plan on talking about on whole church soon, which is my other podcast. So you guys uh, check that out at some point. Relatively soon, I will be discussing the church building. More on that later. But uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add, either just about Star Trek, sci-fi animated series, or anything like that before we wrap up? Nah, just Clone Wars is still really, really good. Yeah. Watch Clone Wars. Watch Bad Batch. Watch Rebels, yeah. Uh, Watch Lower Decks, please. I I feel like, for me, this is some of the best Star Trek for me that I've seen. And I know... There's so much Star Trek out there. The big Star Wars fans usually like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies or um, Discovery, I think, is the other one that they like. Uh, most of these Star Trek purists like the original series and Next Gen. A lot of people like Deep Space Nine. I'm told that it'll be my favorite. I've seen a couple episodes thanks to Lower Decks. For me, Lower Decks is my way in. It is the most relatable characters, and I'm all about good characters in a lived-in universe. And that's what you get with this series. So check it out. All right. That being said, it is time for our wrap up where we give recommendations other than what we talked about the entire episode. And uh, I'm going to start this one off and I'm going to recommend almost the exact same thing I recommended last time we did an episode together. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be Killer Bunnies. But instead of Killer Bunnies and the quest for the magical carrot today, I'm going to recommend Killer Bunnies and the journey to Jupiter. It is a board game that's Killer Bunnies. It is sci fi centered. It takes forever to play. Do not play unless you have a ton of time, but it it's worth it. And uh, each color of card has its own thing it's modeled after. So one of the ships and everything is modeled after Firefly. One of them is Star yes. Wars. One of them is Star yes. Trek. It's amazing. great. I think the other one's Battlestar Galactica, if I'm not mistaken. Lots of Doctor Who references, lots of you know Predator references. It is, it's fun. It's a fun time if you have a lot of time. Uh, Josh, do you have any what recommendations? What was that full title again? Killer Bunnies and the Journey to Jupiter. Journey to Jupiter. It I'm will just eat up leave a that ton of your my time. Amazon look. All right. So my recommendation, I'll, I'll keep it on the uh, spacey Star Wars theme. My recommendation, one of these, one of my favorite games of all time, is called Endless Sky. Hmm. 
It's actually a free and open source game that has been developed by originally this this one person, and then lately it's been a, a large group of people adding into it. Um, but it's available on Steam, so you don't have to worry if you if that's what you want. It's, it's free on Steam, so you don't have to hmm. worry about getting nice. it on their website and not understanding how to do installations and such. It is uh, the way I describe it is it's it's like trade wins in space, but with a with actually story that you can go if if you're willing to explore, you can actually find some multiple different like stories, including the one main campaign of nice a uh, which I'll, I'll I'll say the the main premise of the main plot. It is basically there is the Republic that the you know, Galactic Republic and the, the Syndicate, so that basically. All of human space is owned by these two factions, basically mega corporation and what evolves from like an, an Earth one world government out to like hmm. multi world government. Interesting. Until eventually, the the people in who are really far away from the more rich Earth people decide, hey, wait a minute, we shouldn't be getting taxed by these people who exist really far away from us <laughs> and don't <laughs> give us anything. That no, sounds I've never, familiar. I've heard that one before. <laughs> and so they secede and form their their own uh, a, a nation. I don't. Do you, do you still call it a nation when it's you know multiple? Planetary. <laughs> yeah, multiple solar systems. Well, it gets into a little bit of of the conflict between them and how the conflict actually started and who's behind it all. Do it's, they ever take tea and throw it into space? A really fun. <laughs> not yet, but uh, <laughs> perhaps. Oh, and of yeah. course, and, uh, and this this isn't super obvious when you first get in there, but I'll just say there are aliens. You gotta gotta know where to look. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, while we're on space games, I'll do one more recommendation. Uh, then I will uh, I will leave this for hopefully a future episode. This is another future episode pitch of sci-fi video games. Um, absolutely, if you haven't played Dead Space, do it. It's post-apocalyptic space zombies, basically. Uh, it has a lot of like weird religious post-apocalyptic stuff. It's very creepy, very creepy game. They're about to start over to a reboot of the series, and it's going to have like HD and everything next year, and it's supposedly going to be really cool. Um, the original makers are doing it, and part of the reasoning is they couldn't fit as much stuff as they wanted in the original games on that kind of disc. But now we have new technology and they can fit everything they wanted to do. And yeah. I am excited for that. So, yeah, go ahead and play the old game. So when the new one comes out, you can experience all the differences and geek out on it with me because I'll enjoy that. I want to sneak in a second game, too. It's a <laughs> nice. second space related game. It's a it's, it's a game also available on Steam because most of the ones I play are go figure PC gamer. Um, <laughs> it's called Deep Rock Galactic, which oh. space dwarfs. Yeah. Yes. Just think of fantasy yeah. dwarves. Yeah. What they space do dwarves. that, but space. It's great. You you All are part of this know. mining company. You get shot down onto this really like hostile planet that's full of these bugs that don't want you to exist anymore, and you just <laughs> have to go mining and get stuff. It's it's a it's a fantastic time. It's that a sounds wonderful. It's up to four player co op shooter game where we have to also mine. It's wonderful. I have a whole playlist I play while playing with my friends, which is just uh, it's great. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, and also be looking forward to our future episode about sci-fi video games. Uh, yep, you can go to systematicgeekology.org. Uh, there's a drop-down menu that says host. You can find both of the Josh. The collective Josh and I are there. And all the other episodes we're on, other stuff that we do, you can find on our tabs. 
Um, if you want us to geek out on something specific that you've been geeking out on, same website, just let us know what you've been geeking out on. We'd love to hear about it. And remember, guys, that we're all the chosen people, a geekdom of... This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.